And I hope if you haven't found out how good God is, that today God will reveal himself to you. We're talking this morning about this idea, this word on the screen you see is insomnia. What keeps you up at night? And some of us, or maybe some of you, uh, have struggled the last 12 months with laying awake at night. How many of you have had opportunities to stay awake at night a little worried? Anybody like that? Okay, how many of you will be, let's be completely transparent this morning, okay? How many of you sometimes, all right, I know this is hard to say in church, how many of you sometimes, you doubt God? Raise your hand. Okay, all of us do at some point, right? How many of you in the last 12 months have had some time, some seasons of discouragement? All right, most all of us, or if not all of us, how many of you have felt like you were drowning. You know, it was like, how much more can I take? How many of you have felt a little discontented with your life? Okay, like this is not what I thought was supposed to happen, okay? I think all of us on some have raised your hand maybe to one. Some of us raised it to all four of them. And that's what we talk about. Last month we talked about hope, that Jesus is our living hope. It's Christ in us. Not only is our living hope, but he's our expectant hope because the Christ that lives in us will one day come back for us. Are, are you excited about God coming back? And wouldn't it be okay if he did that today? It'd be all right. And he would find you in church. How good would that be, right? And so as we think about the one word I want you to think about in the month of February is faith. And we think about insomnia, what keeps me up at night. And I, I want us to to have faith that can overcome our doubts. I want us to realize that we can have faith that can overcome that feeling of we're, we're drowning, discouraged, discontent. And I uh, was asking the staff earlier this, uh, actually Monday morning, I was just kind of thinking through this as we're transitioning from hope to faith and how those two words seemingly in my mind are really connected together. And can you have one without the other. And so I just kind of threw this question out, and immediately uh, Pastor Dave s- starts quoting Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things, what's the word? You, you guys can talk out loud. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, what does that even mean? I've heard that verse my entire life, but what does it really mean? Well, I think to understand the depth of this verse, you have to understand what substance means. Substance means to stand on, or it's this idea of a a foundation. Faith is the foundation of our hope. When we think about uh, substance or faith, then faith is to a Christian what a foundation is to a house, and that our faith is in God. It's in his word. So let's think for a moment as we kind of uh, think about this word faith, let's, let's give a definition, like this working biblical definition of what faith is. And so faith then is, or a biblical definition of faith, is the obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances or consequences. Think about that. Faith, then, is the ability to be obedient to God's word 
in spite of what may be coming. It may be in spite of the unknown. It's in spite of circumstances. The circumstances could be, I don't know what's next. I'm going to have faith. The consequences could be relational. You know, there's all kinds of understanding of the consequences. So faith is, biblical faith is believing God's word, obeying God's word in spite of circumstances. So let's just kind of think through this logically, or how does this practically play out? And let's think for a moment that if I read the Word, and I believe what I've read in the Word, then faith will lead me to apply what I've read and what I believe in the Word. It will lead me to obey. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. So as we think about hope, as we think about faith, what I want you to kind of think through today is you probably, like me, uh, as we've all testified already, there's been moments in the last year that you felt a little bit discouraged or despondent or despair or you've doubted God. And so as we talk through this this morning, what I want you to think is we're going to see in our text, if you want to turn there's Joshua chapter 1, what we're going to see in the text is that there's three things, three like application points that we can think of. Like when we, when we come to the edge of the cliff and there's this unknown, the, the circumstance, right? I'm going, to, I'm going to, by faith, take this step in spite of the circumstances or the consequences. Stefan gave us a little bit of our context of our uh, passage this morning, but I'll kind of expound on that a little bit. So in Joshua chapter 1, what has just taken place is, as Stefan talked in Exodus 17 about Moses and kind of laid out some of the amazing things that God did with Moses. And Moses was one of the greatest leaders of all time. Biblical history, secular history, everyone would claim that Moses was, I mean, there's so much leadership that we can learn from Moses. And Moses is like a million people, the nation of Israel, out of slavery. They've been in slavery for 480 years. And Moses is the one that God chose to lead the people out. And all the things that God did through Moses, they led across on dry ground and the water from the rock, the manna from heaven, and all these battles that Moses had won. And God takes Moses up onto Mount Nebo And he looks out on the land. What? If you study the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible specifically is the the promised land. It's the land that God promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And Moses has been on this 40-year journey to get to the promised land. And it's going to be great. And yet Moses is not going to be the leader to take him in. God shows him the land, and then Moses dies there, just him and the Lord. And that's where we pick up the story, this transitional period of leadership from Moses. Joshua chapter 1, then verse number 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over, the, uh, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. So what's taken place here? So far, what do we know? We know that Moses has died. And I wonder what Joshua is thinking right now as he, we, we just read, he's the assistant. It seems from the text that 
God is the one that is giving the information to Joshua. By the way, Moses is now dead, and guess what? You're up. You're the man. Next up. You know, in, in sports, when, when someone gets injured or goes out, it's just next man up, right? Next man up. So to, to, tonight, if, if one of the quarterbacks gets injured, and I'm not going to say either one of them because I don't want you, know, you to be mad at me if one of them happens to get injured tonight, but if one of them gets injured, guess what? It's next man up. And I wonder what the next man would be thinking. Oh, it's the Super Bowl. There's no way I can replace that person. And I wonder, as we think about this story in the nation of Israel, what the Israelites were thinking. The only leader that they've known in this generation, the one that brought them out of slavery, was Moses. And Moses was their leader. Moses is gone, and now they're stuck with Joshua, the assistant. And I wonder if they're thinking... Maybe we're better off to go back to Egypt. I wonder if everything we know about what Moses is doing and his leadership is now going to change. I wonder if Joshua is up to the task. I don't think Joshua is as good a leader as Moses. But let's think from the perspective of Joshua. Joshua has been following the leadership of Moses. And and we can see from the, the context of the scripture... God multiple times tells Joshua, hey, don't be scared. Why would God say that multiple times? Because Joshua was scared. And Joshua has the same questions. Would they be better off with someone else? Am I up for the task? Can I handle it? And I would say that probably most all of us in the room in the last 12 months, maybe even the last week, We've had some similar questions. The circumstances were probably different. But maybe you have questions. Maybe you're doubting. God is, are you sure this is what you want me to do? Are you sure that I can handle whatever it is you've brought into my life? God, I'm not, I'm not so sure. I'm not sure if I'm up for the task. And what would God tell us today? What does he still tell us in his word? Well, let's look at what he tells Joshua, keep looking, verse number three. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and, and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites into the great sea toward the going down of the sun. It shall be your territory. Verse five. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Look at this next phrase. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll not leave you, and I won't forsake you. That's those powerful words from the Lord. And it seems like we should just put a period on this story over. What we're going to read here in a minute is, God, two more times, is going to tell him the same thing in these short verses. Because I think what I believe is that Joshua didn't quite get it. Oh, I'm not sure, God. I still, still doubt you. See, what Joshua didn't have is the perspective that we have. 
Because we have the perspective of reading this story and thinking, Joshua, he told you, wherever your foot goes, it will be yours, it will belong to the nation of Israel, that no one can stand against you. Does those words sound pretty familiar? We just sang that. That no one can stand against you. That God is bigger than all of our problems. And, and Joshua is sitting here thinking, God has told me this. Don't be afraid. I'll be with you. And it seems like that that should be enough. But again, Joshua doesn't have the perspective that we do. Looking back on this, we can say, Joshua, guess what's going to happen? In just a few chapters, you're going to lead the nation of Israel across the Jordan River just like Moses did. And I wonder if the words then would ring to Joshua as they did, as God says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua doesn't have the perspective while we read this in the time that God is speaking to him that in just a few short chapters, he's going to lead the nation of Israel to defeat Jericho without losing one soldier from the nation of Israel. Joshua didn't have the perspective to know that in chapter number 10, there's going to be a battle and night is falling, but the Israelites are winning. And God, Joshua is going to say to God, could you just stop the sun for a moment? Could the sun stand still? And what does God do? He stops the sun. Joshua doesn't know that yet. So what does that speak into us? Let me, let me give you the first point I want you to think about. It. I, I would encourage you to write this down because we, we all come from different perspectives today. And your fear may not be my fear. My fear may not be your fear. What Your doubts may not be my doubts. But I'm going to assume, and I'm going to probably be right, that all of us walked in here this morning with some kind of fear, some kind of doubt, some kind of anxiety, some kind of thought that I can't handle this. And what would God say to you? So what's, how, how can we have faith to be obedient in spite of the circumstances of the consequences? Number one is this. You may not know what happens next, but God does, and he is with you. And like Joshua, as we read the story, verse 5 should be the ending. I'm with you. No one can stand against you. But maybe like Joshua, we, we may need to hear it a few times. You know, this morning as you think about this, Joshua at this moment didn't have perspective that we do. Could we also then understand that when God tells us in the moment right now, what does Romans chapter 8 verse 28 say? All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Do we believe this morning that God is in control, yes or no? Do we believe that God is in control, yes or no? Is God bigger than your problems, yes or no? And like Joshua, though, I think we're the same. I think we live so much in the moment. And if we could fast forward five years from now, and the fears and the anxiety and the doubts we have in the moment, we would look back and say, well, God was with me. Why did, why did I doubt? God was bigger than you fill in the blank, whatever you're dealing with. And so I have to say, you, you, even though I don't know what's next, 
What was the definition? I'm going to obey God's word in spite of the circumstances. And sometimes the circumstances are unknown. I don't know what's next. And so I'm simply going to trust that God does and he's with me. Do you believe that God knows what's going on? Do you believe God is good? Do you believe God is in control? That should settle it, shouldn't it? What's great is it's not just this verse. I mean, you could think of all kinds of verses in Scripture. I think of, of John 14, 7. It says, He dwells with you. As a follower of Jesus, God is not just with us. God is he's in us. Not only does John speak to that, but we see in Matthew 28. Remember one of the last words of Jesus, what we know as the Great Commission? How does he end that? I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he, God who began a good work in you, he will complete it. He'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's working. Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. It's not dependent on me. So the promises that, that God spoke into Joshua, we see all throughout Scripture. Hebrews says almost the same thing. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And then he says, I love the statement. I think it's Hebrews 13, 6. After he says, I won't leave you. I'll never forsake you. So you may boldly say, God is my helper. What can man do to me? So this morning, maybe we just need the reminder. I don't know what's next. But God does, and, and he's with me. And if God is with me, he just sang the words, who can be against me? Those aren't just words. It's scripture. We are more than conquerors through him. All things are possible through Christ. Again, faith is believing and obeying God's word in spite of the circumstances or the consequences. Let's keep reading uh, verse number 6. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance in the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. He's, he's kind of doubling down. What I already told you, everywhere your foot lands is going to be yours. He just kind of says it in a different way. Verse 7 only. Be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all that the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. You see in verse 7, even though God told him in verse 5, I'm thankful God understands us well. Because some of us in the room need to hear things more than once. Can I get an amen to that? Some of us need it more than twice. And he says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And then he says, my servant commanded you, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written. This is cause and effect here. Verse 8. He tells him to read the word. Remember what we said about faith, the, the, the practical application, how does it play itself out, is that I read the word, I believe the word, 
I apply the word or I obey it. And that's all God is saying here. It's like if you read it, if you apply it, if you obey it, then it says in verse number eight, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Here we go again. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God, what does it say? He's with you. He again reminds Joshua, be strong and have courage. I'm with you. The second thing I think that God would tell us this morning is faith is the ability to trust God can handle this. Again, as I look around the room, as I think of all those that may be watching online, uh, what you're dealing with is probably a little bit different than what I'm dealing with. Our circumstances don't quite line up to what Joshua's circumstances line up with. But what we can understand is that no matter what circumstances we are, God is bigger than our problems. Do you believe God is bigger than your problems, yes or no? Do you believe God can handle it, yes or no? Should that also not settle it, yes or no? Should. But I think, I think like Joshua... We all raised our hand, right? I doubt. I get discouraged. I get depressed. I feel like I'm drowning. I get discontent. And and the message this morning is not for you to feel guilty about that because we all get there. Joshua is apparently in that like, oh, poor me. I got to lead these million people. They gripe about everything. I can't handle it. And the truth is, I can't handle it, not without God. But because God is with me, because God is in me, and because I believe that God's bigger than my problems, I can have courage, I can be strong, I can get up, and I can obey. Because God's bigger than it. He's bigger than whatever you're facing. Let's keep uh, looking at number three I want to share with you this morning. You can't do everything, but you can do the next right thing. You can't do everything right now, can you? But you can do the next right thing. What is God asking you to do? Again, probably there's a good chance God's asking me to do something different than you. My next step's probably looking different than yours. But what I'm pretty confident is that everyone in the room this morning, everyone watching online, whether live or recorded, everyone has a next step. God is asking you to do something. Let let me preface that. If you are talking to God and you're reading God's word and you're wanting to hear from God, God has a next step for you. I could name a hundred next steps and not hit the one God's asking you. So I'm not going to name them. You know. If you've been talking to the Lord, you know what the next step is. And will you take it? Will you take the next right step? You know, as I think back on my life, there's been a, a lot of moments in my life where I have felt like Joshua. I can't handle it. 
I remember in, in 1995, I just graduated from Bible college, and I found myself in Austin, Texas as a student pastor. And I unpacked all 10 of my books and put them on the bookshelf and sat down in my office and thought, I have no idea what to do. And I wasn't just feeling inadequate. I really had no idea what to do. And I remember, you know, back then you had phones on your desk. Do you guys know those? And had a little cord to it and everything. And I picked up the phone and I called Steve Switzer. And I said, hey, I got a job. Now what? And I look back and think, God was with me. God got me through it. And every every uh, new situation I've been in, I've had the similar thought. I can't handle this. And I'm sure you're sitting there this morning thinking, God, I can't handle this. What God wants us to hear is, I'm with you. You may not know what the next step is, but trust me. I can handle it. Just do the next thing. Take the next step. What what is God asking you to do? Joshua had no idea what was about to happen. Joshua had no idea the battles he would face, but he simply took the next step. I think one of the things that keeps us from taking the next step is we, we probably know the verses. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We could, you know, rattle it off. God shall supply all my needs according to riches and glory. God's going to supply. I'm more than an overcomer through Christ. Nothing can come against me that God we know We know the verses, and we, we could probably quote them or at least paraphrase them a little bit. But what keeps us from taking next steps? I think it's one word, worry. What is worry? Let's, let's give a simple definition this morning to worry, because I think it's what keeps us from taking the next step. Having a private conversation in your head. That's a pretty simple definition of worry, isn't it? A private conversation in your head. You guys play the what if game? You guys play the what if game? Here's what I understand about uh, worriers. I'm, I'm not one, okay? I not be one. Worriers play the what if game, but all the what ifs that they play in their head are bad things. Right? Like when I pull, when, when I mold things in my head, you know what my what ifs are? It's all good things. Like, I live in my own little bubble world, right? Like, it's all good. What if God did this? This is going to be great. So we play the what if game, and we have this conversation in our head. And we mull things over in our mind. How many of you guys do that? Like, all the what ifs. You know another word for, that we could use for mulling things over in our mind? It could be a biblical word called meditate. In fact, we see it in this text, don't we? we would meditate on his word and change our perspective. So maybe instead of worry, we could pray. Could I give you a simple definition of prayer today? It's simply inviting God into that conversation. In fact, 
those of you who worry all the time and you play the what if game in your head, can I? Here, here's the good news. If you are a worrier, you have the potential to be the greatest people of prayer. Because you already know how to meditate. Invite Jesus into the conversation. What if you surrendered and said, God, I don't know the next step, but I'm going to trust. I'm going to believe you can handle it, and I'm just going to take the next step. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment this morning. And I want you to, to meditate on what you've heard. What's God asking you to do? How is he asking you to trust? How is he asking you to place your faith? What's the next step? And then make a decision today, God. Yeah, I, I don't have all the answers. If I'm going to be honest, I'm still doubting a little bit. Here, here's what's great. Do you know that even though Joshua doubted, it didn't stop God from using him? It reminds me of Gideon. Nathan said a few, uh, last year when he was preaching on Gideon, it's, it's kind of just stuck in my head. He said that fearful obedience is still faithful obedience. That in this moment when you are doubting, can I just say, it's okay. It's normal. It's natural. But in the doubting, just take the next step. Your faith will grow as you take steps. The truth is this morning that these promises we've talked about, they're for followers of Christ. This morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, you've never placed your faith for your eternity, your salvation, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, these promises do not apply to you. God is not with you. The good news is that you can simply cry out to God and you can admit you're a sinner. You can ask God to forgive you for sins and you can place your faith in Jesus right in this moment. And if you've never done that and you would like to do that right now, can I just encourage you, whether you're online, whether you're sitting in this room right now, would you just in this moment say, God, I place my faith in Jesus. I believe Jesus died for me. I confess Jesus is Lord. I ask you to save me. If you cry out to God and you place your faith in God, then all of these promises, He's with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God, I ask this morning that as we close the service out with worship, Lord, that you would just remind us the words of these songs. We need you. That as we struggle in doubt, that our prayer in this moment when we leave this room would be, God, I need you. And I trust you. And I have faith that you can handle it, that you're big enough. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you would, to, would you stand with me? And we're, we're going to close the service out with a song that simply says, God, I, I need you. I, I pray that this is your prayer.